0: the reading is taken from acts chapter 11 verses 19 to 30. now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with stephen traveled as far as phoenicia cyprus and antioch telling the message only to jews some of them however men from cyprus and cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad The disciples were called christians first at antioch during this time some prophets came down from jerusalem to antioch one of them named agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire roman world this happened during the reign of claudius the disciples each according to his ability decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, thank you, Frauke. Beautifully read. And good evening, everybody. It's great to be with you. And to continue in this sermon series on the marks of the New Testament church. When we were praying before the service, Ellie shared a picture that she had and it was of a ship like the Titanic, perhaps, the metal prow of that ship breaking through ice in order to allow the ship's progress. And what I want to talk about this evening is how openness to the Spirit produces groundbreaking results how it produced breakthrough for the church at Antioch and what does it mean to be a church which is open to the spirit but also individuals you and I who would be open to the spirit what happened in Antioch was completely unique we hear at the beginning of the scripture that Frauca read that some of the persecuted believers from Jerusalem, scattered from that place and went to various places and uh, spoke the word of God to Jewish people. But it's only the men from Cyrene and Cyprus going to Antioch who share their faith with Greeks. And this triggers uh, something unprecedented uh, in the faith. It is an extraordinary moment. The church at Antioch is it represents the birth of really the first uh, multi-ethnic church but also the church for not only formerly Jewish believers but for Greeks for pagans and so on and the rest of chapter 11 and then chapters 12 and 13 in the book of act record the results which come from people's openness to the spirit. In our passage let me just point out three. First of all that the Greeks were entirely responsive to the call of Jesus because they were open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Secondly that they were responsive to the teaching that Paul and Barnabas brought and it led to further conversions and thirdly that they showed a generous response to spirit-filled prophecy when they heard it predicting famine in Jerusalem. They weren't experiencing COVID-19, but there was a global issue that uh, was devastating that part of the world, this famine, and they responded financially generously. And because of the Antioch believers' openness to the spirit, uh, amazing things were created and birthed. Uh, It was the first real multi-ethnic church Antioch was a a huge city and historically it had been divided by a wall a wall which actually separated uh, Jews from Greeks that wasn't quite the case any longer at this time there were something like 18 different ethnic groups living in the city but they still lived in sort of separate enclaves separate ghettos And now the Holy Spirit sweeps through this city and brings transformation. Secondly, the Spirit brings not only an indwelling of the Spirit, a filling, but also a, a prizing of the word. This is not a people who are simply giddy, they are obedient to the word of God and they want to hear it from Paul and Barnabas. And then thirdly, It's not only a church that, as I've already said, gives financially generously, but as we'll hear later in chapter 13, generously gives its leaders away, gives its best leaders away. And why would that be? Well, probably if one had asked a believer at Antioch why they were sending off Paul, for example, they would simply have said, because God said, because we've heard God say to us through the Spirit. The Jerusalem church had to give itself away as a result of persecution. The Antioch church chose to give itself away because of the leading of the spirit. And what happened with the birth of this church? It didn't begin with a crusade. It didn't begin with a conference. It didn't begin with a course, an alpha course. It began through friendship, friendship evangelism where these men from Cyprus and Cyrene, it says, began to speak to Greeks also. And as a result, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch as this multi-ethnic congregation was created. So the Spirit came in a a caught, not a taught way through people who were already Spirit-filled. And I think this can give us tremendous encouragement that if we are spirit-filled people, what does this mean for our witness and our testimony and our influence on others? The sky's the limit. The second thing I want to say is that the greater the potential for breakthrough as a result of the Holy Spirit, the greater the potential for shutdown. There's always the potential for shutdown when the Spirit's moving. What was going on here in Antioch as Barnabas arrived in order to scrutinise it and then brought in Paul was unlike anything that either of these men would have seen before. And when anything like this happens, when our kind of normal categories are assaulted, as they often are by the Holy Spirit, we can really have one of two responses. We can either discern and trust or we can choose to be fearful. We can retreat, we can want to hold on to our old sense of self, our old position with a kind of rigidity that is not of God. Douglas Campbell, who is the professor of New Testament at Duke Divinity School, has a a brilliant kind of description of how he sees Paul walking into one of the places of worship in Antioch, basically looking at the front row of people gathered there, the devout Jewish believers who have uh, discovered Christ as Messiah. And they are filled with the Spirit. They're raising their arms in worship. They're speaking in tongues. And then his eyes go to the back row, and there are all the Greeks, and they're behaving in exactly the same way. That could have been a moment where either Barnabas or Paul said, uh, no, (laughs) this is not acceptable. This does not fit with our usual uh, categories. But instead, their spirit said yes to it. So then, as in Antioch, the question for us in this time is always, What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? There's been a a recent survey in the last couple of weeks that uh, has been completely fascinating. It was a survey of over 2,200 young adults in this country. And uh, the data was weighed in order to make sure that it was nationally representative. And the survey discovered this, that more than half of young people aged 18 to 24, more than half of young people aged 18 to 24 were engaging at the moment in online worship. More than 50% of those surveyed, which is seen as representative of national figures, are watching online worship. And then this, that 45% of 18 to 34 year olds... And 49% of 25 to 34 years old prayed in July. And it was even higher uh, as we went into August. It was a figure of 55%. What is the spirit doing? These are young people who are open to the spirit. Are we meeting them? Are we open in the same way? So I just encourage you to reflect personally this evening on how open or not you feel you are to the spirit. Are you a person who is at times fearful perhaps of manifestations of the spirit or isn't used to the way that the spirit can upend our usual categories or ways of doing things? I remember when I first started um, feeling called to consider exploring ordination. I remember vividly, I was looking at a laptop screen uh, at a theological college's website, which is the last place you would have normally found me. And suddenly I found myself sort of sucked into the screen. And as a result, I went and talked to the leader of my church and uh, I went and I decided to take a 24 hour retreat at a Catholic retreat center. And I booked in there and I I fasted and I prayed, waiting to hear God speak to me. And over the 24 hours, I heard absolutely nothing. You must remember, I was a theatre director. I worked in the creative arts. I was used to being a person driven by passion, you know, following my desire. That was how I determined my calling. After 24 hours, it was time to leave. But I decided to take one final walk around the field outside to prayer walk it. And as I did, I asked God the question, what do you want to say to me before I leave? What are you saying to me about possibly considering ordination? I walked around the whole field. And as I just came back to the end, to the exit from my retreat, God said in a still small voice these words, commit and the passion will come later commit and the passion will come later and that was not what I was expecting to be honest it wasn't really what I wanted to hear either I wanted to be made to feel passionate about the idea of exploring ordination but the Lord wanted to by his spirit do exactly the opposite get me simply to begin to commit faithfully to exploring that thing and to allow the Passion to come later. And when I began Theological College 15 months later in Bristol, by that time, the Passion had begun to come. And by the time I finished at Theological College, the Passion was through the roof. The final thing I want to say about being open to the Spirit is that of course, every significant move of the Spirit needs to be discerned and tested. The Apostle John says in 1 John 4, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And he goes on to say that it's this testing which allows us to recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So the Jerusalem church hears that something is kicking off in Antioch, something unusual, and they send Barnabas down in order to discern Whether this is of God. And what does Luke, the writer of Acts, say about Barnabas? He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And so he knew how to discern. We can test the spirits, and we must test the spirits, because judging something by its popularity alone is unreliable. It's no test of the spirit of truth. Jesus divides people in his ministry in fact his true spirit often provokes exactly what i've been describing a fearfulness in the religious leaders in that instance and then a kind of welling up of a religious spirit that wants to come in and subdue and oppress jesus so every move of the spirit has to be discerned the question is are we discerning accurately and are we growing in the gift of discernment? revivals always need to be tested revivals are frequently occasions where again this religious spirit of fear and anxiety a desire to control can come in and attempt to block the spirit's work and we have to test the character of people involved in revivals you'll probably remember the Lakeland revival of 2008 where there was a a particularly dynamic, spirit-filled leader who, it turned out, had character flaws, personal issues, which actually brought that revival and awakening to an end. St Ignatius in the Jesuit tradition gives us principles of discernment, ways of discerning between what he calls good and bad spirits. And it's not simple. Sometimes he says the devil comes masquerading as an angel of light discernment is described by saint paul in 1 corinthians 12 in that list of spiritual gifts as a gift as a grace that we can pray for and receive but ignatius says it's also a practice it's also something that we can practice daily in our lives not just when we're facing a a crossroads moment of calling but actually in our everyday lives because it's through discernment that we can sense where God is moving or not in our lives and then we can then lean into that. The discernment here in Antioch is effective because Barnabas is a man of discernment. Secondly, the discernment is contextualized by Paul and Barnabas's teaching. It's measured against the plumb line of scripture and then finally one might say as with Matthew seven sixteen, by their fruits, you shall recognise them. The Antioch church was fruitful. It was growing. It was not only full of worshipping people, but people obedient to God's word and who were sensing a desire to pour themselves out generously to help others. So as I come to conclude, all these points should give us tremendous hope for this cultural moment because the Holy Spirit is not phased or constrained by situations of chaos. In fact, it's often in difficult and stretching times that people are more open to the Spirit, as we see in those surveys. And there are times often where the agency of the Spirit seems to have particular impact. So how open are you to the work of the Spirit in your life? at this time are you looking out for those with whom you can share the gospel are you alive to what god is doing in those around you crucially in the 18 to 35s the Antioch church was a groundbreaking church and the principal reason given here is because it was full of people who were open to the spirit Well, let's come and uh, now have a time of prayer and ministry and open ourselves to whatever it is that the Spirit wants to do in each one of us this evening. I encourage you to close your eyes, open your hands before you and to pray with me. And then I'll pass back to Will. So we say, Come, Holy Spirit. As has already been prayed, you are welcome here. You are welcome here. We welcome you afresh in this season. We welcome you afresh, whatever's been going on in our lives. And we give you permission, the Holy Spirit, to, again, change our understanding of who we are. Lead us into a fuller understanding of our identity in Christ. Thank you that those Greeks no longer saw themselves primarily as Greeks, but as children of God. We pray you do a new thing in us this evening. Holy Spirit, would you come and cast out fear? We repent of fearfulness. We repent of anxiety. We repent of the need to control. And we say, Lord, do in Oxford, by your spirit, what you did in Antioch. Continue your work in us now, Lord, as we continue to be ministered to and as we come after that into a time of worship again. just encourage you to remain in God's presence, open to the Spirit's leading as Will picks up.
2: Yeah, I just have the word more, and Father, we hunger and we thirst after your Spirit. Pour out your Spirit upon us. Give us more, Lord. It's the hungry that get fed. Stir up our hunger, stir up our passion. And just give us a deep, deep desire for you. We pray for more this evening. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us And as we surrender ourselves, as we give ourselves completely, as we, as we wait on you and, and lay down before you, Lord, we just pray that your fire would come, the fire of your spirit. and we pray that you would supernaturally remove all fear from our hearts, all barriers, all blockages, all obstructions. That you would take any any fear away and give us such open, receptive hearts. Fill us up, Lord, with more as we wait on you. Thank you, God.